T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Welcome into Burns Royals Bonanza. Here's Taylor's pitch, and Dozier swings and hits one deep to left field. Back it goes and gone. From the belt, delivers, and a swing and a miss. He struck him out with a fastball. A look back at the 2021 season, a look at the plans this offseason, and a look at the expectations heading into 2022. Lifted deep to left center field, way back there, and that ball is gone. Here's Royals insider, Josh Vernier. Go ahead, Steve Stewart. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in on this Tuesday night. If you're listening live on 610 Sports Radio or the Odyssey app, good evening. If you're listening on the podcast later on in the week, uh, thank you very much for finding my podcast. Yeah, find it on the Odyssey app. should already have that. Uh, but there are a lot of podcasts. Hey. Uh, but Vern on baseball. That's where you find this one. If you're listening live and you you missed J.J. Piccolo or you missed John Sherman or Nikki Lopez or Ryan Lefevre, you'll find them all shortly on the Odyssey app. The podcast is Vern on baseball. As promised, our guest now is Whit Merrifield. And Whit, I... I can tell you my reaction. I was watching the gold glove ceremony with my wife and I just shook my head vigorously. I mentioned earlier. um, Yeah, I thought Nikki should have been a finalist. I was glad that Salvi was a finalist, but I thought the biggest travesty uh, as far as it's uh, Royals concerning uh, was, was Mark. Look, and with all due respect to Marcus Semien and his 45 home runs, uh, I thought you were clearly the best defensive second baseman in the American League. What was your reaction watching the ceremony? You know, I I would have loved to have won. It's it's probably um, on on an individual level um, the the award that I I guess strive for the most. I've always thought it, it was one of the, one of the best awards a player could win. Thought I had a chance. Um, was bummed when I found out that I, I wasn't going to win. and But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just didn't make enough plays in the eyes of the coaches and managers around the league. And we're happy for Marcus. He's a great player, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm happy for him. And But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would have loved to have win, but it didn't happen. You know, hope, hope next year I can make some more plays and be back in the conversation. Yeah, well, to me, it seems like it's really just the next chapter of your eventual book, just further carving the chip in the shoulder deeper. Um, it, it just seems as if 
I can't speak to your upbringing or your time in college, but as a professional, uh, just nothing comes easy. Yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing has really, in the sense of my athletic career. I've had to earn a lot of things, pretty much everything that, that I've uh, been able to accomplish. I've really had to earn it. And, you know, I, I feel like that's, that's how it should be. You should have to earn, earn um, levels of achievement. And so would I have liked to have been able to do things a little differently or, or have certain things fall differently than they did? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would have. But at the same time, you know, I'm proud of, of what I've been able to overcome and what I've been able to, to achieve. And I'm looking forward to uh, many more years of, of uh, proving people wrong and, and doing things that I know I can. And, um, you know, hopefully getting uh, on a part of a winning team and, and, and doing some stuff late, late into the year. Uh, that, that's one thing I really haven't been able to do at the big league level. Talking with Royals two-time All-Star and the game's Iron Man, Whit Merrifield on 610 Sports Radio. Well, you mention it there. Turning 33 this offseason, coming up on your seventh year in the big leagues. Has it gotten, as the years have gone by, has it gotten more difficult to lose? Is the patient is the patience running thin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's a good way to put it. It's more the years go by and the more that you know, we're packing our bags in, in late September, early October, it's uh, it's frustrating and it's it gets more difficult every year to do it. And but this year, I told some people a lot of times you get to August, you get to September, and when you have years like we've had, it wears on you. Uh, and when that the end of the season comes, you know you're you're relieved, you're excited, you know you're you're ready to move on and, and get to the next. You know, just reset in the off season, get to the next year. And this year was was the most unenthusiastic I was, or that I have been to head of the off season. Uh, I, I really, really loved our our team. Really loved our our clubhouse. Uh, wasn't ready to leave those guys. And um, and there's also an excitement for you know what we have uh, moving forward. That you know I wasn't quite ready to to leave the locker room yet, but at the same time, I was, I'm fired up for, for what the future holds for our organization. So yeah, this was, this year was, it was different. It was, uh, there was less urgency to get to the off season, even though we weren't going to be playing in the postseason. Right. I want to stay with that because I think anyone that's been around this team over the past few years would certainly describe you as tough, both physically and mentally, obviously with the Ironman stuff, but also the uh, tenacity that you've shown throughout your professional career. That toughness is the reason why I'm quick to tell people that when you are given the opportunity to showcase your talent in October, I feel like you will thrive because of that toughness. And I'm curious, in your opinion, being around these young pitchers, uh, because you, you know the kind of toughness that they need to exude for you to feel it in the batter's box. Do you get that sense from these young arms in your clubhouse? I really do. Uh, I really do. I mean, we, we've got some guys that they're, they're just, you can just tell they're in the right place uh, mentally to have sustained success and, and to pitch in big moments and big games. There's a point when you're playing, whether it be hitting, pitching, uh, where you rely on your preparation, you rely on your mechanics and, and, and what you have to do 
physically and mechanically, you know, to be successful. And then there comes a point in moments where you just say, screw it, I'm going to beat you. Uh, I'm going to do what I, what I can to beat you. And you kind of throw all that stuff out the window and just compete. And we've got a lot of competitors, both offensively uh, and on the pitching side. And um, I'm excited to, to see what happens when when the lights are the brightest because i mean if you look at just just as an as an example um if you look at how we performed this year against the best teams in baseball uh i think that that kind of shows you the kind of, what 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 kind of players that we have on our team uh-huh. obviously we weren't able to do it for an entire year well enough to to finish the top of our division and get to the playoffs but um you know when we were playing those first place teams and and we knew uh, we needed a rise to the occasion, and I think our record was was one of the best in, in baseball against first place teams. Yeah. How, how does the Iron Man of baseball tackle the off season? How much are you leery of changing it when you've had the kind of success that you have? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't change much. Um, you know, and I'm not. I'm not just saying this as a as a player. You know, from a business standpoint, but. I feel the same now as I did when I was a freshman in college. Uh, my body feels the same. I, my routine hasn't hasn't really changed. The amount of time it takes me to get loose hasn't changed in 15 years or whatever it's been. And so I, I've had success with with what I've been doing. I feel really good about it. And uh, yeah, I don't plan on on changing anytime soon. And when defensive defensive versatility is uh, one of your many strong suits. Does the uncertainty of defensive positioning once again heading into 2022, does that allow you to remain in the routine that you have over the past few off seasons? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I, I learned going in or this spring training when I should have already known uh, that I, I need to stay ready in all aspects. I had spent the, the winter really focused on being a good outfielder, really focused on doing things that were going to help me play outfield this past year. And then that all sort of, I got a curveball thrown at me sort of the last, towards the end of spring training. And I wasn't as, as prepared to play second base as I should have been, but that's on me. That's not, that's not on anybody else but me because I know that I, I've dealt with it my whole career where when something happens, I'm the, I'm, they turn to me, you know, to adjust, to move around. And um, for some reason, Last offseason, I, I was convinced that I was going to be playing uh, in the outfield for majority, if not all, of uh, the season. Uh, that's that's probably something that I'll I'll never uh, make that mistake again, and yeah. so I'll definitely be more prepared for uh, whatever whatever role is thrown at me this year. Wit, final thing for you: How optimistic are you? that everything's going to be working on time starting in February, that uh, you'll be in Arizona, that the team will start to join you, and everything will be hunky-dory. Well, I know that that, uh, that as players, you know, we're excited for, for 2022. Um, we feel like what we're asking is, is nothing but fair. We feel like it's beneficial for all sides, and so it's really up to the other side to come to an agreement on a fair deal. That's really what it's about. So I, I don't know what their agenda is. I don't know what their goals are for this new CBA. But, you know, as players, our goals are to have a fair bargaining agreement in place that benefits all clubs and benefits all players like they should be 
compensated and it should benefit. Um, and we think that we've done a really good job as players of coming up with something that represents all that. And we hope the ownership feels the same as, as us. But um, until that piece of paper is signed, you know, there's, there's no telling what will happen. That is perfectly said. Wit, I greatly appreciate the time this evening. Thank you. Right, yeah, thank you. Right? That's perfect. That's almost like he read it off a script. That is a guy that understands both how to get the job done on the field, but also in the boardroom. Thank you very much to Royals. What? Right fielder? Is that where we're putting him? I mean, you heard him. He's not going to get caught uh, flat footed again. Now, you guys can tell me I'm the right fielder all offseason, all you want. I'll just see how it all shakes out over the course of those six weeks in Arizona. That's Whit Merrifield, Royals uh, utility infielder slash outfielder. How about that? We'll discuss it further with Dayton Moore after this. You're listening to Vern's Royals Bonanza. Right center field, and that ball is gone! On your home for Royals baseball. Salvador Perez, a grand slam. For a second straight game. 610 Sports Radio. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's the pitch, a swing, and a high fly ball. Welcome back into Vern's Royals Bonanza. Center field, left center. Michael Taylor with the catch. Here's the throw to the plate. It's a good one, and they got him. Michael Taylor with two terrific throws. Here's your Royals insider, Josh Bernier. And man, this show has flown by. Thank you very much for listening. As promised, our guest now is Royals president, Dayton Moore. And Dayton, I mentioned this earlier in the show. I'm interested in your thoughts. Um, You know, as I look back at 2013, 2015, 2017, It seems to me that you made moves that, yes, those teams needed, but also moves that those teams earned. 2013, uh, you you bring in Shields and and Wade Davis. You you part with uh, Will Myers. I thought that offense earned a bona fide number one with their performance in 2012 and also could help bring along Danny Duffy and Giordano Ventura. In 15, coming off of that pennant, you had Morales and Volquez, and then the deadline moves, and then the the moves prior to the trade deadline in 2017 to give Haas and Kane and Moose one last run at it. It appeared to me that when the big moves have been made, uh, the, the, the smoke signals from the team the previous season were somewhat apparent. Those teams earned that type of aggression. So with that opinion... What did 2021 tell you? What what did they earn as we open the off season here? Well, that, that's uh, I think Vern first. That's a great observation, and uh, you know when every move that we've made to improve our team, 
in doing so, you must evaluate uh, certainly the major league coaching staff, the major league players, how they are trending, what their uh, what the attitude is like, the chemistry, what exists, because you you want to be able to add players to that roster that blend in well uh, for them to continue to win. But there has to be certainly a, a strong level of performance and mindset and focus and determination amongst the current group before you, you do that. And, um, and so I think that's a, that's a great uh, observation to make. And so to answer your question specifically, it is um, th- this group uh, we believe in, and uh, we're going to do everything that we can to continue to support them and, and supplement what um, their ultimate goal is, our ultimate goal, and that's to, to get back to the playoffs and win another world championship. And so as we go into this off season, we're continuing to evaluate uh, the current landscape. But we also know, Vern, that our key to success is going to be our core group of homegrown players that is ultimately led by Whit Merrifield, Salvador Perez, Hunter Dozier. That core group is going to be the ones that uh, are going to set the tone, and then they're going to be able to, I guess what I would say is um, lead well and um, uh, set the right example for the future players, whether it be um, Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, perhaps in the future, and, and, and many others. And certainly the other group that we have uh, that's already up there, the young guys. And, you know, the young pitching staff, you know, we're really encouraged there, Vern. We're encouraged by, you know, the, that, that talent that exists uh, in that rotation, some powerful arms in the back of the pen. Uh, we, we really feel that. Uh, uh, those guys are just on the cusp of getting more consistent. We saw that in the second half, uh, you know, and then it leads to, um, you, know, you know, again, just being more consistent and staying healthy. You mentioned the pitching. When you think back to draft night 2018, from the information that, that you and Lonnie and the rest of the front office had on draft night, which of these young arms has taken the largest step forward? Well, you know, the, the one thing I would say as I, as I kind of reflect back is, you know, Lonnie and I sat down together uh, prior uh, to, uh, you know, the, the 2018. Uh, actually, it was in the, the early fall of 2017, and we began to just make an advanced decision that we, we need to be more of a, uh, a pitching factory, if you will, and we're going to need to be very intentional with uh, some of the advanced college arms, guys that know how to pitch, pitchers that uh, have an elite secondary pitch, whether it be a slider or a curveball or a changeup. And, you know, we, we love the changeup, especially in this ballpark. It's a, as you know, it's a, it's a very vast uh, outfield. And uh, if you can just keep the, the ball off the barrel and the changeup, potentially can really, really do that, have a huge effect on disrupting the timing of a hitter. Uh, and even if a guy squares it up but he's out in front a little bit, the ball's going to stay in the yard, and we're going to have guys that can run it down and catch it. And so we wanted to focus on guys that were a little more mature, a little more advanced, uh, some quality secondary pitches. You know, they all throw hard today, Vern, as we know. And uh, But 
we want guys that you know have more of a feel to pitch. And so we were very um, intentional about evaluating, drafting, and, and signing uh, the advanced college pitcher. And, and, and those that had pitched at a high level as well and pitched in some of the best competition that their peer group had to offer. And so we were very intentional about that. Uh, we didn't think Brady Singer was, was going to get to us. Um, you know, we thought he would go probably somewhere, anywhere from, you know, 5 to 12 or, or something like that, and he ended up falling to us. Um, and he's an elite competitor, as is Chris Bubich, um, an elite competitor. Uh, you know, Jackson Coar and Daniel Lynch uh, were, were two guys that uh, weren't as high profile. I mean, they were still very well known, uh, but nobody really expected them to potentially, you know, go in the, in the first round. Um, but, you know, they, they've got, um, you know, elite pitches. Daniel Lynch uh, really came on strong. We had a good relationship with him out of high school. He didn't get out of the gate. Uh, real fast in 2018, but I remember Rene Francisco went in and saw him after we hadn't seen him too good in in March and early February and March. And Rene was in there, I believe, early in April, and and uh, happened to be speaking to him and kind of just sharing, you know, what he'd been seeing in the draft. And he really, really kind of pounded the table for Daniel Lynch and said, you know, well, I think we're light on this guy, and we began to scout him. Uh, a little more heavily. Of course, Lonnie being who he is, even though we weren't seeing him real good out of the gate, Lonnie already knew that this was a guy that we were going to stay on all the way to the end because of our relationship and the evaluation coming out of high school. And so I really credit Lonnie and and, uh, and Renee for just um, you know their their experience and their wisdom in, in evaluating uh, you know pitchers and knowing the draft. When I think back to the pennant-winning ball clubs, you guys had the ability to bully the opposition with that bullpen. The moment the game started, the opposition knew uh, we fall behind one nothing. We have three, maybe four innings to get that lead back or this game's over. I, I think that was well-known around Major League Baseball. As, as we talk about this young starting pitching, is the hope that it can serve as the bully for the next pennant-winning Royals ball club? Well, we believe that the strength of, of every winning championship caliber team begins and ends, you know, with, with starting pitching. We, we've always felt that way. And so we have the makings of a very strong and consistent innings-eating rotation uh, in guys that uh, are, are, are highly competitive. Um, they uh, learn from one another. They trust Mike Matheny. They trust Cal Eldred. And, and so there's a belief there, even though that they've went through, you know, some struggles. And, and Vern, let's face it, that's, that's a good thing. And it's a good thing in the sense that they're learning from their failures. But the other part of that is they're leaning on each other, and they realize they need each other to get through some of the challenging times. And so it's, very, it's a very healthy thing uh, when when young players and young pitchers struggle, as long as they handle it appropriately, and, and this group certainly is, and so we do believe that they are are going to uh, you know be the the anchor, if you will. That being said, the bullpen gets a lot better when you have consistent starting pitching, and there's a rhythm to the game when you have consistent starting pitching, uh, and that's why it was so important to to bring Salvador Perez back. 
and and to to make sure that he's a part of our future because when you're breaking young pitching into the major leagues you don't want to necessarily have to do that with a young catcher as well now there's a lot of reasons we wanted to bring Salvi back but you know we were talking about this the other day uh when it came out that Buster Posey was retiring and uh you know Salvador and Buster were going to be free agents uh this year uh, as we looked into our crystal ball uh you know this time last year and, and knowing that there would be a bidding war for both and and the, the two best catchers on the market and uh you know we just were very aggressive and we knew we needed to get Salvi back and I'm so thankful that we did for for many many reasons that you know we can talk about later if you wish. Yeah, we can get to one of them right now as we're joined by Royals president Dayton Moore on 610 Sports Radio. There there's so many things that impress me about Salvi uh, throughout his career. Uh, but listening to him tell the story of last offseason, the lessons he tried to teach Carlos Hernandez about taking care of your body now at the age of 24 so you can continue to be successful at the age of 34. I don't know if those two are working together again this offseason, but speaking of the offseason, I'm wondering how much things similar to that, communication between an organization and a young player throughout the offseason, how much that has really uh, changed and evolved over your 15-plus years here in Kansas City. Well, I think the, we've always had communication with our players in the off season. It's always been important to us. Um, but I think you know now, Vern. I think there, there's there's um, more information that the the players uh, require. They want more feedback. Uh, they want details of that feedback. You know, when we first started in this position and even when I was uh, a player development director I mean a lot of the the conversations were more just really on a personal level and how you doing how's your off-season workouts going uh, anything we can help you with just making sure just kind of a, a general wellness check if you will and uh, now you know we've got graphics and zoom and face-to-face and presentations that we make uh, for each player. I mean, we literally put together presentations uh, for each player uh, so they understand all aspects of their development personally, professionally, uh, and, 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 and very um, detailed. And so that, that's how it's changed. And, and you know, we're, we're always fighting for, for credibility because, uh, and trust because you're, and the only way you, you earn that is by communication, admitting your mistakes. Uh, developing a relationship with the the player, uh, but the reason it's so critical is because players today are, they they want that information. They're requiring feedback, and if you don't give it to them, they're going to try to they're going to look elsewhere for it. They're you know they're going to go to different academies or or, or past coaches or or other people in the industry that are marketing themselves as as the next guru, if you will. And you know we've seen a lot of that through our time, and we've always had to fight that. A little bit, and a lot of the people that used to have a huge, huge voice in this game, and they were the next best thing. Um, they've kind of, you know, w- withered away, almost like, uh, you know, just uh, just faded away. Uh, they had a loud voice at one time, and people jumped on the bandwagon, and now they, you know, that people realize, that, you know, the game's not that easy, and there's no magic pill or mo- or a magic formula that's all of a sudden going to make you a player. But again, if we can establish trust uh, through our relationship, through 
gaining trust, and then through the, the information that we provide working with the player, you know, I think we've got a better chance to, to create that harmony that, that we, we so desire in our teams. And, uh, and certainly we feel that you must have harmony and chemistry and togetherness if we're going to win. Dayton, I mentioned Carlos Hernandez. He, he, he surprised a lot of Royals fans. I mean, he surprised me, too. I, I, I knew the kid had the, the body type and the stuff. But for him to put it together like he did in the second half of the season, yeah, I got to admit, I was blown away, uh, thoroughly impressed by the young man. What stood out to you about his season? Well, you know, he's always had a terrific arm, as you know, and, and um, you know, we signed him for $15,000 internationally. Mm-hmm. What we saw in him was uh, just a big, strong guy with a good working arm, not much feel to pitch. And there's a lot of guys like that out there. And then so uh, as he began to develop and mature, uh, we knew it was very clear we needed to put him on the roster. And by the way, he was 19 when we signed him. As you know, Vert, a lot of these kids are on the radar at 14 and 15, and they're signed at 16. And he was a late bloomer. And I think that's a good thing because he, he wasn't overused. He wasn't somebody that everybody was kind of trying to connect with and and gain from the individual's success, if you will. And, you know, I think he was probably, we were probably fortunate that he was a late bloomer. And then so just watching him develop through our system and, and you know, he had some bouts of, of health a little bit where he was battling some, some you know, just some general soreness and some adaptation things that his arm was experiencing. And so, but it really at the alternate site last year, I mean, just watching him and getting the feedback. I mean, there was a guy that was starting to command his pitches, control his delivery, and repeat better. Uh, I felt that at worst he was going to be a power arm in the bullpen. I think that's how we all felt. But then watching him start out there, we said, you know what, this guy might be able to start. And sure enough, you know, he did an amazing job for us, and, um, you know, we just feel that uh, he's just got such a bright future. No question. Royals president Dayton Moore, a few more minutes. I want to move to the offense. Just a couple of questions. The shortstop conversation is, is obviously the uh, headline conversation for sports radio. Spring training's going to take care of all that. I'm interested, though, if, if you would, solely from a scouting perspective, how do you prioritize a shortstop's attributes? As you know, I'm very passionate about scouting and, and evaluating players, especially young players. And I remember when I first saw Alberto Mondesi, for example, you know, when he was 15 years old, and Rene saw him, I believe, when he was 14. But when I first saw him, what, what I saw was uh, a developing body, very range, uh, rangy. He was alive. Uh, you know, with his actions, his arm worked extremely well. It was a little below average, but you could tell that it was going to be plus someday. His feet uh, were, were very good, even though he was kind of a rangy, taller type person. Uh, his feet uh, worked very well. They were quick. They were agile. And uh, so you could tell that he was going to stay at shortstop, and that's very rare. You know, when we first saw Elvis Andrews, uh, I wasn't sure Elvis was going to stay at shortstop, and the reason I he had he had an, his hands were good enough, his arm was probably going to be good enough, his feet were 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 okay. Um, I just thought he was going to get a little wider, a little thicker in the legs, where it might hurt his range. That didn't happen. I mean, he he controlled uh, you know how his body developed the best he could, and through you know proper 
proper nutrition and exercise and, and, and doing the things that you need to do to play that position. But, you know, the primary tools there at shortstop are field, uh, throw, and you like the guys that can run. Now, you can look at the, the game being so offensive today, and you can say that maybe the hit or the power tool is more important than the run tool. But the reason I've always felt the run tool was important is because it is simply a predictor of range and uh, and, and quickness and first step quickness, and and uh, that's really important, you know, for that position. You've got to be able to throw the ball on different angles. You've got to be able to throw on the run. You've got to be able to backhand the ball, you know, to your right. And you've got to be able to to uh, you know turn the the ball over uh, with con- conviction, the double play with conviction. But most importantly, you can evaluate all those tools. You want guys that can uh, execute the plays with a game on the line. A runner on third and two outs, a leadoff hitter late in the game, and that's why you know Alcides Escobar was so good. Very fundamentally sound, but. Very sure, accurate arm, but I can't recall many a day where he didn't make a play when he had to make it and uh, when the game was on the line. And so I think there's a, a steadiness to that position that's so required as well. But uh, it's it's a fascinating debate about the, the three shortstops that we have, whether it be uh, Alberto Mondesi, Nicky Lopez, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, the, what I can tell you, Vern, is all three of them, we believe, are gifted enough to play short, and all three, we believe, are gifted and talented enough uh, to hit somewhere in the top or the middle of our order, and uh, and we'll figure out where to play them all. Dayton, uh, staying with Mondesi real quick, I, want, I got a question about Andrew Benatendi, but Adalberto Mondesi, I, I find him uh, endlessly intriguing, uh, not not just because of his talent, but the individual and his story. And I know I've done a poor job of telling his story, sharing his story. I'm wondering if there's an aspect of the young man that you've known for so long that that the average fan may not know. Well, he's a very tender-hearted person. Um, he, he cares about people. He's quiet. He doesn't necessarily love kind of you know being out there. He's he's a little shy which I believe makes him even more uh, appealing and, and more inviting. Um, he cares deeply about playing this game. He cares deeply about uh, his teammates. And, uh, you know, I, the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy is, is, is damaged his soul a little bit, you know, just because, uh, you know, he wants to play so, so badly. And that's why it's so important that we just continue to support him. And, and because once he, you know, Lorenzo Cain had a lot of the same, you know, ups and downs physically, as has other players, you know, in this game. But but once they figure out the proper rhythm and what their body needs and and how to manage, you know, the day-to-day strain on the body and the stresses on this body that this game presents, um, you know, he's going to come out of this really, really well. I think we're starting to figure things out much better. He's doing a great job this offseason. He's, you know, it's never been about work with him, though, Vern. I mean, he's always done what – what needs to be done and then some, you know, so it's just, um, he's just a, like I said, he's a special person. He's a very tender hearted person. Uh, he cares about people and uh, he wants to win here and it's important to him to play this game. And then with Andrew Benatendi, uh, a, a guy that helped protect 
Salvador Perez for a majority of the second half of the season. He enters the final year of team control. I'm wondering how comfortable is the team with that and how comfortable is Andrew in your conversations? He's been a joy to watch play. Uh, I love watching players like like him. Uh, he's very controlled. His at-bats are very consistent. Uh, he's very sure in the field. He has base running skills. Uh, he has instincts to play. Uh, very steady. Uh, a professional hitter. And, and every championship club has two or three guys like him in the lineup. They can battle a good pitcher. They have a very consistent approach, as I mentioned. And so, um, you know, we, we've just been uh, really, really pleased with him. And, um, you know, we, we worked very hard to try to acquire him uh, in years past. And uh, just very thankful that we were able to, to get him over here last year. And uh, you know, we, we love watching him play, and, and uh, he's an important part of our team. You don't get a sense of uh, nervousness as the season approaches on, on one side or the other about the uncertainty of his future in Kansas City. No, I don't, just because I think, I think the way, you know, he, he's very mature. He's always been a high-profile player. Yeah. Uh, there's no panic in, in Benny. You know, you're talking about a guy who's 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 performed at the highest level in the biggest markets, and and uh, you know he knows what he wants in this game. It's not about money. Uh, he, he wants to win, and he wants to be in a place where he's really appreciative, and um, you know he can go out and do what he loves to do, and that's play baseball. And uh, we we have a, a strong feeling for him. We have an appreciation for him, and uh, above all, we all enjoy watching him play baseball. He's a winning championship-caliber baseball player. Yeah, no question. Royals president Dayton Moore, kind enough to join us here on 610 Sports Radio. Dayton, always uh, grateful for the time, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Vern. There you go. Thank you very much. Dayton Moore, Royals president here on Vern's Royals Bonanza. We've heard from Dayton Moore, J.J. Piccolo, John Sherman, Ryan Lefevre, Nikki Lopez, with Merrifield. You'll be, able, you'll be able to listen to all of the interviews in their entirety at the Odyssey app. Just search out Vern on Baseball. My podcast, Vern on Baseball. We'll wrap this bad boy up after this. You're listening to Vern's Royals Bonanza. Cranks one to deep center. On your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back into Vern's Royals Bonanza. Lined into right center field for a hit. Merrifield's going to try to score. A good throw home could get him. Then the throw is not in time. Here's your Royals insider, Josh Vernier. Now wrapping things up here on 610 Sports Radio. Again, if you missed any of the conversations we've had tonight, you'll find them all on the Odyssey app. Vernon Baseball is the name of the podcast. You could also go online, 610sports.com. And just kind of reviewing everything that we've heard tonight, getting a lot of reaction to what Dayton Moore had to say about 2022, coming down to this core group of Royals that we all watched in 2021. I'm surprised at the pushback or the surprise that so many Royals fans are showing discussed this earlier with Ryan Lefevre. It's my opinion, uh, even after our conversation with J.J. Piccolo, you look up and down this 26-man roster when you just focus on the offense. 
it, it, it's not about the Royals, in my opinion. It, it's not about the Royals organization going on the cheap. You know, that narrative has died, has been dead for more than half a decade now. You acquire Andrew Benatendi, you go out and you spend a multi-year contract on Mike Miner. Only three multi-year contracts were handed out to starting pitchers last offseason. And John Sherman did that here in Kansas City. You, you pay Carlos Santana all that you are uh, paid him last year and the $10 million you're going to pay him again this year. So, so any uh, idea or notion that the Rose are going on the cheap, I, I think is misguided. Some that are upset about the loyalty or Dayton Moore, including Hunter Dozier in the group with Whit Merrifield and Salvador Perez as a part of the core, the leaders of this team heading into 2022. Uh, look, you, you know that Hunter Dozier's under contract for this season and for next season. Now, I'm not going to sit here and go into too much depth about the thumb injury that may have, may have sidetracked his 2021. Now, I'm not going to go all in on the thumb injury along with the pressure he put on himself after signing that contract. I'm not going to chalk up all of that disastrous 2021 to the thumb injury and self-inflicted pressure. But I am going to acknowledge that Hunter Dozier in 2019 had an 870 OPS while playing at 100%. For those of you unfamiliar uh, with OPS, Salvador Perez this season, franchise record home runs, led the league in home runs. His OPS was 11 points shy of what Hunter Dozier put up in 2019. It's worth finding out if Hunter Dozier has that in him again in 2022 and 23. Adalberto Mondesi, guys, he's nine months away from his 27th birthday. Lorenzo Cain did not play in 100 games in any season until he turned 27. Lorenzo Cain wasn't a league average hitter until he turned 28. And I know there are plenty of you out there listening that still uh, regret the fact that the Royals didn't bring Lorenzo Cain back. But again, Lorenzo Cain's a guy that didn't get it figured out, health and performance, until he was older than what Adalberto Mondesi is now. Mondesi, Dozier, two guys that you have under control, two guys that if you're being fair and honest and real, you'll acknowledge have as much talent as anybody in this organization, the both of them, Mondesi and Dozier. I put them right there in that same conversation with Salvador Perez and Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and the rest. They have that type of talent. So when you talk about the offseason and what kind of acquisitions this ball club uh, could make, should make, we can't go too far down that road if you're not willing to acknowledge that it's worth giving Hunter Dozier another season that it's worth giving Adalberto Mondesi another season, along with having Nicky Lopez on the field with Bobby Witt Jr. and Witt Merrifield, Andrew Benatendi, Michael A. Taylor, Salvador Perez, and Carlos Santana. Uh, 
Look, Santana, to me, that's where these conversations should begin. That, to me, is the lightning rod of this starting lineup. Dozier, Mondesi, you can't be surprised that they're going to get another opportunity. But Carlos Santana, how long is his leash in 2022? Because the guy that I watched down the stretch looked as if he should be hanging up that number 41 jersey. Now, first half of the season, a 789 OPS next to Salvador Perez. Carlos Santana was the best hitter this Royals team had. Second half of the season, he was the worst hitter this Royals team had. Now, if that happens again, I do not expect J.J. Piccolo, Dade Moore, John Sherman to grind through another 150, 60-some-odd games of Carlos Santana. I expect them to cut bait and give that first base job over to Nick Prado at some point in 2022 if a similar trajectory shows itself again for Carlos Santana next season. If he starts off hot and then fades as the grind of a Major League Baseball season takes its toll on this man as he nears 40 years of age. So as we talk about the offense and needs uh, or or the, the necessity for improvement, I think it begins there at first base. So many people want to go the Mondesi, the Dozier, the Michael A. Taylor and center field route, and to me it's all misguided. It starts at first base. That's the spot that I'm most intrigued by in April and in May. Pitching staff-wise, if you're just joining us, J.J. Piccolo said uh, the necessity to bolster, to beef up this bullpen. That is priority number one as the offseason begins for the boys in blue. Now, some of these young starting pitchers, I would imagine, will begin their transition to the bullpen over the course of this summer. I don't know if it's going to be more than one, maybe two of the young arms. Is this organization willing to wave a white flag and say, all right, your time as a starting pitcher, your time as a stretched out possible performer for this rotation moving forward, that time is up. We now believe your talents are best utilized in the bullpen. I only think it's going to happen to one or two of them. But one or two of them mixed in with a free agent or two. And we all know this scouting department. We all know Dayton Moore's track record with the bullpen. Bodes well, coupled with the young rotation. And a lineup littered with questions should make this a very entertaining offseason. A fascinating hot stove. And you should be loaded with excitement for spring training 2022. It's 15 weeks away. Cactus League action here on 610 Sports Radio. Thanks to Kramer Sansone for the help. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. If you missed any of the show, find it on the Odyssey app or 610sports.com. My name is Josh Vernier. I appreciate you listening, Kansas City. Enjoy the rest of your night. Take care. You're listening to Vern's Royals Bonanza. Slider is lifted to shallow center and back to make a great catch, Nicky Lopez. On your home for Royals baseball, 610 Sports Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.